are listening to the Daily Roundup here as part of the Reality Steve podcast. I am your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in on this Friday edition. Good show for you. Nick Vial opened up his mouth and stuck his foot in it yet again. We will discuss what he said. I'm shocked at some of the reaction that I'm seeing on this. We're also going to talk a little bit more about Bachelor Paradise, uh, something that uh, I heard yesterday on a podcast, was alerted to, listened to it, thought it was interesting because I didn't realize that was the stance that was going to be taken. We're going to talk a little bit more about Big Brother Reindeer Games. Last night, episode number three, they're down to six people, and maybe get to a little more stuff after that, and we'll get to all that momentarily. So if you haven't seen the story yesterday on a podcast with Page Six, New York Post, Page Six, it was called the, let me find out the name of this podcast so I get it right, the Virtual Reality Podcast. And Nick went on it and they were asking him about the Golden Bachelor. And the first thing Nick said was... He had mixed feelings about Gary. And what he said was, the show itself sometimes tries to craft a narrative about their leads that even the leads are a little uncomfortable with because it almost feels like, I'm not that squeaky clean type of thing. Because no one really is, right? So I think sometimes that is the fault of the show, this kind of narrative. He was allowed to date. He didn't cheat on anyone from what we know. Basically, Nick talking about the Hollywood Reporter hit piece that came out on Gary a day before the finale aired. But then Nick goes on to say the flip side, because he said he had mixed feelings. That was one feeling. And then the other feeling was, it's tough to watch an entire season of Gary selling this entire narrative that all he's been doing since the passing of his wife was cry, play pickleball, and occasionally have this weird one-on-one moment with some hand lotion. And in reality, we come to find out that the body was barely cold before he started dating. And it opens up a lot of questions about what was going on. All right, hold up here. Wait a second. First off, why does Nick hate Gary so much? I mean, we already talked about what he did months ago when his producers came on and shared a bogus story that they had no proof was even true and just threw it out there that Gary was cheating on his dying wife. Don't, don't forget that one, that Nick suggested, oh, maybe Gary had a, uh, had a hall pass while she was laid up in the fucking hospital. Let's not forget that gem that Nick threw out. Well, on this one, I just don't really understand it because he even says it himself in the beginning of the article that the show plays up the leads past. Like, nobody is this perfect. They have to make their leads seem like they're the most desirable person on the planet. We all know that's not true. Nobody's perfect. Gary isn't perfect. So if you agree that that's what the show does, then why are you coming down on him for dating after his wife died? And to be so callous about it, that's what's really disturbing. I can't believe he said that. We come to find out that the body was barely cold before he started dating. He referred to Gary's late wife as the body and then said it was barely cold before he started dating 
If you read some of the Instagram comments about this, it, it's almost like 50-50 split down the middle. And again, this has nothing to do with my dislike towards Nick. If anybody in the franchise said this about Gary's ex-wife, I'd be like, what the fuck are you doing? Who says that? And for the people who are defending Nick or people who are saying, I don't see the big deal, which, trust me, there's plenty of them out there. Like, oh, he was just keeping it real. And it's like, okay, I understand what you're saying that he was saying that Gary started dating pretty early. Like that whole phrase is basically saying Gary started dating pretty early after his wife passed. But that's not how it came across. It came across Nick trying to be funny, Nick trying to get a one-liner in that absolutely backfired. And I think that he should apologize for. Will he? Probably not. And if he does, it'll be like, oh, it looks like some people took offense to uh, what I said. I couldn't use better wording. Marble mouth. He could have done that. That's probably what he's going to end up doing is, well, if some people took offense to it, I, I didn't mean it that way. It's just, I, I guarantee, if he even addresses it, that's how his apology will come across. So here's the deal. Like, that's kind of a line you hear in TV shows, movies, about a body, a dead body being cold. Like, you know how I know that that's not the right thing to say? Because I guarantee you, if you put this story or you put that audio clip in front of Gary's daughters, you think they're going to think it's funny? Then it's not. I'd love to see them give a reaction on this. I'd love to see them say, wow, that was kind of, put it this way. They're not going to say, wow, that was, that was a good one, Nick. That was funny. Yeah, probably not. So anyone saying, oh, what's the big deal? You're not putting yourself in the position of the family. That's the big deal. It's very easy for you to not have any sort of ties to Gary, any sort of ties to Gary's late wife, and be like, oh, what's the big deal? He just said a line. No. Not if the family doesn't think it's funny. And my guess is they don't think it's funny at all. The second thing about this is just... To admit that the show props up the leads and exaggerates the leads and making them out to be, you know, this squeaky clean person. And then to come back and say his whole line about that is basically to say Gary started dating really early after his wife passed. Who are you, Nick, to determine when somebody should or shouldn't start dating after the loss of a loved one? Who are you to say? Every person is different. Everybody. Some people date right away after losing a loved one of 30, 40, 50 years. Some of them never date again, and some of them need time to grieve. And maybe it takes a year or two. But for you to have this black and white opinion, that's the thing. Nick isn't leaving anything open for discussion. It's like this black and white opinion. <laughs> Boy, he moved on pretty quick. He moved on at the pace he wanted to move on at. If it doesn't line up with your pace that you might move on with in the future, why are you the in the right here? I'll tell you what, you're not. And I'm stunned that he said it. I, I can't really say if I think he's going to give an apology. I already told you what I thought his apology will be if he does 
take this back. It's not going to be like, holy shit, you guys, I really fucked up because he never says that. He will never say, I never should have said that. He'll say, yeah, I could have chosen a better wording. I didn't mean anything mean by it. I, I know people are upset online or whatever. It's just like he knows. The thing is, Nick knows what the reaction is. Nick cares what people think of him. This is the same guy that when he goes on podcasts, informs the podcaster, you're not allowed to ask them between about the age difference between him and Natalie. Oh, whoops. Is that supposed to get out? No, well, it is. Anyway, um, this is a guy that is never going to admit, wow, I absolutely screwed up here. I never should have said that, and please accept my apology. It'll be, yeah, some people were offended. I, I, yeah, that was probably a bad choice of words. It's like, no, that's, that's not an apology. And if anything, he should reach out to the family. I think he should reach out to Gary's kids, Gary's daughters, and say, I never should have said that. Doesn't even have, he doesn't even have to do it publicly. He doesn't even have to, even if he does it privately, he doesn't have to report back to us that that's what he did publicly. But will he? Chances are never going to happen in a million years. Just the way he is. And I, you know, the only time I talk about Nick is when he does stuff like this. The amount of problematic things that this guy has said and done over the years is... I say it every single time. The hypocrisy is laughable because this is a guy who, when he had me on his podcast, lectured me about the things that I say can affect people, have a really big effect on people in this franchise, the things that I say and the things that I report. And I took it to heart. And I said, yeah, I thought about it. I'm like, yeah, he's right, which is why I've changed my reporting. Yet this guy <laughs> doesn't take his own advice that he gives me. That's the funny part about all of this. And not funny. It's actually like, it's funny to me because he's stepping in it every single time he opens his mouth about things like this. And he's a total hypocrite in the way he's reported certain things after telling me, stop reporting things the way you do. <laughs> it's just, the hypocrisy is laughable. But I, I, if I'm him, not only do I do a public apology, I apologize to the family in private. Will he do it? Probably not. And that's unfortunate. So something uh, came about yesterday when someone had, I was scrolling, actually, nobody sent it to me. Um, I was alerted when I was flipping through my Instagram search bar that a clip from the Ben and Ashley podcast, Almost Famous, popped up. And they had Tanner on, and he was talking um about his time down on Bachelor in Paradise. And then it got me, because I was, I was hearing this, and I was just like, I want to listen to what he actually said, because there was something in there that was just like, I want to hear the full context of everything. And what I thought was interesting was the fact that Ben kind of asked him, you know, now that it's all over and said and done with, what are your thoughts in regards to maybe there's somebody that you'd want to approach post show like is there anybody out there that like it didn't work out on the island or maybe you didn't island didn't work out down there on the beach maybe you want to um at least get in touch with them see if there's anything there was there anybody there and 
I'll just play the clip for you. Let me let me just play this clip for you right here. And how excited they are that you're there. Did that watching it back make you feel awkward, excited? Was there anybody that was saying something about you that now you're like, okay, now that this isn't, yeah, let's revisit her. Yeah, let's go back to this. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know, man. It was it was definitely crazy watching that first episode and and seeing the interest because like. As a guy, it's like, yeah, you think maybe girls are interested in you, but then you just kind of keep on living your life. You're never really sure. So it's it's actually really cool to see what people are thinking in those moments. But um, I don't know. It was fun. It was a good time. <laughs> <laughs> any? What, what, you didn't answer any revisits. Any anybody sparking interest again? Jess was always kind of there, to be honest. Yeah. You know, she yeah. was the, one of the main reasons why I went. You know, I felt like I messed it up in the beginning, and I truly never even got to know her. Um, so seeing her, how excited she was to meet me in the very beginning, mm-hmm. you know, that, that kind of sucked because I felt like our experience in paradise would have been a lot different if I would have took Jess on that date and not Kat. So will you talk to her? We'll see. I don't know. I feel like uh, first impressions are big. Yeah. They're bigger for some other for some people. I can kind of work th- through things, but I think that ship is officially sailed. Which I'm not mad about. You know, I'm I'm friends with everybody on the cast now, and you know, I'm never rolling anything out. But it's it's one of those things where it's, you know, it it's tainted a little bit, and it would take a little bit of work. And yeah, I'm just not sure if it would. So that's what he said, and you know, back on Tuesday, I'd reported everything that I had heard in regards to Cat and John Henry and Aaron and Eliza. And I said I had heard some other things about this season that it's hard for me to prove or I can't prove it without, you know, outing sources or anything like that. And I um, I can't share text message stuff, screenshot stuff that I may have seen. But I, after hearing him say that on the podcast, I think I can share this. And this is kind of the weird thing. And it reminded me of a past season. He said, basically, yeah, Jess was always there. And they asked, well, what about going forward? And he said something about first impressions, you know, maybe are bigger for some people. And I think the way I read it, and I could be completely wrong here, but the way I read it, by him saying it that way, essentially I felt that he was saying, I think Jess wasn't too thrilled with me going down there and asking Cat out first. Basically, I ruined my first impression. And, you know, that was it. Like, I'm, you know, I'm fine with it because he basically said that ship has sailed. What's interesting is it kind of reminds me of Blake Horseman when Blake was on Bachelor in Paradise. Remember that whole thing with Stagecoach and he had talked to Kalen and they had hooked up with Kalen before the season started. He had also flew to Alabama and hung out with Hannah, Hannah G before that. And then he gets to Paradise and he gets a date card and the first person he asks out is Tasha when we knew that he was most interested in Hannah G. And when Blake started doing the media rounds after Bachelor in Paradise, he said, in so many words, producers made me. Like, they literally would not let me go out with Hannah G. And whether it was the way they mind-fucked him to say, like, oh, hold hold off on her. You could wait on her, because they already knew that Hannah G and Dylan probably had something that was possible, and they wanted to make it messy. But Blake basically said, I wanted to ask Hannah G on my first date, and I essentially couldn't. So I took Tasha. To me, what Tanner said on that podcast kind of makes me think 
Mm. I think it might have been the same deal because Tanner and Jess were talking pre-show. And it was made very clear that Tanner was interested in Jess pre-show. Everything I've heard, you can ask around yourself, that was the deal. He didn't just get down to the beach and decide, I'll just take Cat out. He'd literally been talking to Jess before the show and told her, like, this is who, she is who he was most interested in. So you get down there and you get a day card and you ask out Cat. It just doesn't make any sense. And now hearing him say that, it's like he's well, he's not admitting anything. He, did, he certainly didn't admit on that podcast, yeah, I was talking to Jess pre-show. I'm telling you he was. Now, why he asked Cat out instead of Jess, different, different story. I don't know. But knowing the way the producers work on this show, they're very, very well aware of who Tanner was interested going down to the beach. It was Cat and Jess. He said that on the podcast yesterday. But it just doesn't make a lot of sense. Because from everything that I have heard, it was Jess that he was going back and forth with quite a bit. And it was made very clear she was the one he was after. And then to not ask her out on the first date, and then now to hear that answer where it was basically like, it seems like she got turned off by the fact that I didn't ask her out. Yeah, I'd be, I would be too if I were Jess. Like what? You were talking to me the whole time and then you ask out not only not me, but you ask out my best friend? So just a little insight there. I thought it was interesting. You know, it doesn't make Tanner a bad guy. It just for me at least, clears up a couple things. And it's like, oh, okay, now it makes sense. I think producers had a major role. For whatever reason, told them to hold off on Jess, and then, boom, we all saw what happened. And finally, let's talk about reindeer games from last night. We are down to six. And, man, people got emotional last night watching Danielle get eliminated. I had no idea everybody in the house was going to cry that Danielle was gone. I mean, I know that she's an OG. What was she, season three? Obviously, I know nothing about Danielle. She's the only person when they announced this cast that I was like, I have never heard the name. I've never seen her on the show. Nothing. Everyone else, while I hadn't seen their seasons, I had heard of them. Obviously, I know who Josh Martinez is. Um, I obviously knew who Cameron was and Xavier and Taylor and Nicole Franzel and... Brittany I had heard of, but she's probably the second least that I knew anything about. And Frankie Grande, I knew who he was and what his deal was. But uh, I just, I knew nothing about Danielle. Nothing whatsoever. So I understand that, you know, and I, I, I get it now because Taylor and Xavier both said, like, she kind of paved the way. Like, they were the reason they... She was the reason they were ever interested in Big Brother and going on this show at some point in their lives. So, but yeah, um, she's now gone. We're down to six. There'll be an episode Monday where we'll go down to five, an episode Tuesday where we'll go down to four, and then the final four compete in the quote-unquote reindeer games, which we don't know what they are. I did get my answer. Thank you to the people who reached out to me and said this was filmed a few weeks ago. They did not stay in the Big Brother house overnight. They filmed during the day, and then they each went to a hotel at night. My guess is they were sequestered at the hotel. They didn't go back to the hotel and sit there and party and get to talk to each other. I, 
I wasn't told that, but that's my guess, knowing the way these shows work and there's money involved. And my guess is they had to go back to the hotel and they were sequestered and they could not keep in contact with any of the other contestants that were still on the show. But if that's wrong, please correct me. So we're down to six. Xavier, Josh, Frankie, Nicole, Brittany, and Taylor. Three men, three women. And your guess is as good as mine of who's going to end up winning this thing because it's impossible to predict since we don't know what they're playing. And, you know, you asked me going into last night's Santa's challenge. Like, so the first person who was who had to do it was able to do it, you know, Brittany. Uh, no, no, Brittany. She wasn't first. Xavier was second. Brittany was third. Danielle was fourth. I can't remember the first. Was it Frankie? Yeah, it was. It was Frankie. He did it, and he did it in about two and a half minutes. Then Xavier has four and a half minutes to complete it because the first person had five and a half minutes, and then it goes down by a minute on each one. Xavier goes second. He has four and a half minutes to complete the puzzle or the complete the spinning wheel and get the thing out of the middle or whatever. And he did it with 14 seconds left. So it took him four minutes and 15 seconds to do it. So then he passes it on to Brittany, who's a crying mess, and says, I'm never going to get this. Please don't make me do it. But he did choose her. And she did it. And she still had like a minute and a half left. And she only had three and a half minutes to do it. So she did it in two minutes total, which was basically two minutes less than Xavier did it in. So then she had to choose someone. And the only people left were Taylor, Josh, or Danielle, and she chose Danielle. And Danielle didn't get it. Danielle was eliminated, so now we're down to the final six. It's a fun little two-week show. I couldn't handle this for more than two weeks, and I'm glad all of next week's episodes are only one hour because that makes things so much easier on me, especially the week before Christmas. I don't need to get caught up in a show for four hours because I still got to watch before Christmas. I still have to watch Die Hard, and I still have to watch... Um, Christmas Vacation, Home Alone, I've already done. Those are the three I try to watch every Christmas season. I, I can't say I've nailed every year where I've gotten to watch all three, but the last few years I've been able to do it, and I've already watched Home Alone. I'll get Die Hard in, and uh, you'll be like, Die Hard? Yes, it's a Christmas movie. Stop it. Be quiet. Die Hard and Christmas Vacation, along with Home Alone. So thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. Please follow me on Apple Podcasts. Also rate and review if you can. Coming up in an hour from now, the Sports Daily. I've got my picks coming out. You'd be like, so? Big deal, Steve. Hey, I'm 11-3 and three over the last two weeks. Yes, the two weeks before that, I was 0-10-1. But 11-3 and three over the last two weeks, hitting 57% on the season. Not bad. Not bad at all. So that's going to come up in an hour. Everyone, I hope you have a great weekend. We'll be back here Monday once again with another Daily Roundup. Thank you all for listening. And I'll talk to you on Monday. <laughs>